This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Dojo Live. I'm Tulio Siragusa, broadcasting from Southern California. Today is Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. Almost the end of July. Wow, it's uh, mid past the midpoint of the year. Time flies when you're having fun. And we're having fun again today with my co-hosts, Kim Lantis in Hermosillo, Mexico, and Carlos Ponce in Cornavaca, Mexico. Thank yeah. you. We'll see, how, we'll see how much fun today is. Disclaimer, well, I'm downstairs alone fun. with my two kids, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> like, like we always say, it's a serious show by not-so-serious people. So today we have our uh, guest, Shannon Ferguson, who's the co-founder and CEO at Fansaves, who's uh, broadcasting from Ontario, Canada. All right. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. We're happy to have you here. So we're talking about some fun topic today, which is about sports, right? We're talking about sports and fans in the digital age. Oh my goodness, I'm picking up a lot of noise all of a sudden. Is that you? Uh, I don't know who that is, but... Uh, <laughs> Not me. <laughs> so let's get to know Shannon a little bit before we dive into the topic. Shannon, please introduce yourself to the audience. Oh yeah, so thank you guys again for being here today. Um, I am Shannon, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Fansaves, a sports tech startup um, based in Ontario, Canada. And what we're doing is really helping uh, sports teams and other organizations to increase their sponsorship revenue. And we're bridging the gap between sponsors, fans, and, and teams. So our platform Fansaves gives fans discounts and deals from the sponsors of their favorite teams. That's great. Thanks for telling us about fan saves. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. How did you get here? How did how did your journey bring you to this uh, this idea? What have you done in the past? Were you in sports marketing your career? How did you get here? Please tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So you know, I grew up playing competitive hockey. Um, had a dream to play in the Olympics, um, and you know, an injury sidelined me uh, just after high school. After I was scouted to play in university. And um, from there, you know, I graduated university. I started a career in sports marketing. And um, I then I was like living in Montreal. I was living in Calgary. I was living in Toronto, enhancing my uh, marketing career. And in 2015, my mom actually passed away. So I moved home. And it was from there that I ended up starting my own marketing business. And uh, one of my clients was a professional hockey team uh, here, it, right in, in my hometown. And I ended up meeting Chris, who was a player. Uh, he broke his finger. He moved to the front office. We took over the sales and the marketing, selling sponsorship and everything like that. And from there, like we ended up, we, we also are dating. Um, but then it was when we were working together that we created fan saves in 2017 to solve a sponsorship problem we were running into. So I've definitely uh, had a, a really exciting career, twists and turns, definitely not linear, uh, but I think that's what makes a startup founder uh, so gritty. I love it. Okay. So two injured athletes started a business and, sold a <laughs> and they lived happily ever after. The punchline okay. of a joke. <laughs> I was working on one. I failed miserably at it. Well, it's great to have you. 
let's go right into the topic today because there's a lot to learn here today. Uh, Kim, would you kindly introduce the show? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Tulio. Thank you, Shannon, for being here. Nice to see you again, Carlos. So the topic nice to is again. chosen <laughs> is chosen by you today, Shannon, is why it's important to bring sponsorship into the digital age and better engage sports fans. My first question, aside from why, okay, my, when I look at this tagline, I think, why do sports, if we're talking professional sports, why is sponsorship even a necessary element? Because in my mind, my layman, non-athletic life, I see all this sports gear and everything, you hear multi-million, hundreds of millions, maybe into the billions of value of certain sports teams. So how does sponsorship in sports come into play? And why is that important? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think a lot of people um, don't understand how big sponsorship really is. Every year around the world, $60 billion is spent by businesses to sponsor different sports teams, different events, different um, any any times like different schools. Anytime you see at an event, you see a poster that's up and it has, um, you know, a logo on it or you're at a game and you see uh, something come across the scoreboard. That's that's sponsorship. And sponsorship is really all around us. And a lot of people don't even realize that it is sponsorship. So, you know, teams, especially I got my start, my start in, the, in the minor professional leagues, um, a lot of what we rely on and that these teams rely on is sponsorship. So that, that sponsorship money that we bring in does pay for the, uh, the sticks and the equipment and it pays for, it helps to pay for the ice or the stadium and the rentals. So, you know, ticket sales is another big part. And a lot of people think, oh, well, just ticket sales, that's what pays for everything. But those community sponsors that are are sponsoring teams or events or organizations, they're crucial because that propels everything forward. But what we were noticing is that these businesses are putting their hard-earned money and sponsoring and really just getting you know a logo on a sign and they weren't really, it wasn't helping them actually bring people into their stores to spend money. Their return on investment wasn't there. Okay, so that makes, thank you. It makes a lot more sense because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, like National Hockey League, NFL, I'm like, why can't they sponsor themselves? But we're really talking about more the grassroots, the lower level community and all the way up. All the way up, even major league, major league, um, major leagues. We're in talks with multiple major league teams right now, and it's it's true. Their budgets are million dollar budgets, but part of that budget, they're getting million dollar million dollars in sponsorship. They're getting the Budweisers and you know the the Nikes. So Nikes, like like let's talk Nike. They're spending a ton of money to get their brand on that that field or that rink or that that scoreboard. So it that sponsorship is really such a big thing in all levels of sports not too long ago we had a guest on this show that was uh that we had an interesting conversation very eye-opening conversation about when it comes to advertisers response the product is right uh we were talking about not to on facebook but let's talk about facebook for a second someone would say well facebook is the product right their platform is the product and it was eye-opening to realize that you and i are the product <laughs> we're actually the product that the advertiser that the platform sells us to the advertisers to reach so from a context point of view what i'm hearing is historically sponsor get a banner and they get some visibility 
but they're not really connecting to the product, the product of the fans, right? So what is it that you guys are doing that's facilitating this connection? Yeah, so really, um, I want to kind of go back to the beginning of your your kind of question. You know, we recently did a research study because we had been seeing this for years um, and we wanted to to make it to, to solidify our findings. And what we found is that 90 percent of sports fans, people who identify as sports fans, can't name more than five of their favorite team sponsors. Like if you think about right now, think about your favorite team. Most people are like, yeah, I'm a hardcore fan. Yeah, I can name like 10 sponsors. And then we say, okay, do it. And they can name like one or two. So for us, we really wanted to bring fans, uh, give fans a way to engage with sponsors outside of the, the stadium or outside of the arena on non-game days, in the off-season, and even after games. So what we do is our platform offers fans discounts and deals from these sponsors so that you know, you can go on at any time and see all of these local brands, national brands, see those businesses that are spending their money and actually, you know, support them because there's, we've all been in cities, you know, you're there and you want to go out to eat or you want to stay at a hotel and you have nowhere, you know, clue where to go. But now you can actually use fan saves to, to, to figure out, okay, I'm going to go here that they support my favorite team. I want to support them. Shannon, let me ask you something. We're talking about uh, better engaging sports fans. So that's my question. What have you discovered in your journey building fan saves that works better in this in order to uh, achieve this uh, engagement at an optimal level? How do you engage your, your or what do you consider to be an optimal engagement level for uh, for or with fans? Yeah. So, you know, we engage with our fans in, in multiple different ways. One of the, the best ways we do it is even with push notifications. So if there's a fan that's walking by a, a restaurant or a retail store and maybe they don't know that they're a sponsor, it actually pops up and lets them know, hey, you have a deal uh, from this business because they're a sponsor of X team. And I think one of the really interesting um, elements of fan saves is we like to describe it as if Instagram and Groupon had a baby. So you have to follow your favorite team. You know, you're not just getting all these random businesses like advertising and, and pushing their deals towards you. You actually have to follow a team, become a fan of that team on fan saves. And that's when you're, you're given access to those deals from their sponsors. So people can really choose their own level of engagement. If they're a, a fan of 10 teams, they can follow 10 teams, but if they only have one team they're a diehard fan of, uh, then they can stick with that team. So we've really made it interactive. And I think that's the thing that fans need because when a fan leaves a game, they're remembering who won, who lost, how they felt at the game. Maybe if they had a few drinks with friends, they're not leaving that game and going, oh, yeah, I saw five sponsors on, on the, the boards. Let's go eat at that restaurant. Hmm, interesting. And as far as uh, adoption, the adoption, the level of adoption of fan saves, what have you discovered or what have you perceived that is your most challenging aspect that that you still need to overcome what what is your area of opportunity in order to uh make the uh, adoption like widespread 
Yeah. So um, the the really interesting thing is myself and Chris, my co-founder, we are non-technical co-founders. So it took us like we've been doing this since 2017 is when we came up with the idea. We're like, let's start. Let's create an app. We had no clue. We weren't even like, let's get into the startup space. We just thought we were going to create an app and it kind of just snowballed. But what we really had to do is overcome those technical difficulties of you know going through different developers to get the right product testing having an unsellable product having to wait for it to be recreated and really having to start again um like kim said at the grassroots level so starting with those smaller junior ATs and major junior and really um creating a footprint and, and and making sure that we could we had a proven product there and that there was a product market fit and we didn't expect it to take so long we were like oh yeah we're gonna get this in like a year and uh yeah no it's definitely taken longer but throw in a pandemic that also <laughs> did affect everything um but now we are we have proven our product so much there has been adoption we're working with over 40 organizations across North America. We have over 500 brands offering discounts and deals. And now we are at that major league level. We're exploring partnerships with multiple NHL teams, with uh, NFL, um, MLB, the USL, like so many different leagues, because now we're able to go to them with, you know, case studies and a product that is is worthy of their time. Congratulations, you you just graduated from the real journey of an MBA, (laughs) real life MBA. I know you you had a question, Kim. Yeah, talking about product market fit, I think this is kind of timely. No one needs to be told that there's huge rivalries amongst fans and sports teams, right? Packers and Bears and I don't know what else, like famous rivalries. If I want to support who's supporting my team, has this ever inadvertently shot itself in the foot? Like, oh, I'm not going to support that sponsor because they support my rival? I mean, that's a great question. And I think what from what we've seen is that the need to save money and the need to get a deal often overrides <laughs> that, that like pride in your team. Because at the end of the day, you know, all teams want each other supporting each other. Like, of course, a team wants, you know, their fans buying their merch and their tickets and coming to their games. But if I'm a, a Packers fan traveling to Chicago, like why wouldn't the Packers want the like their fans that are going to Chicago to to shop and spend money at the Bears sponsors because then the NFL as a whole are benefiting. So it's really uh, what we're doing is creating the first couponing network. And of course, there, there's people of all kinds. There's gonna be there's gonna be fans that will definitely like never you know follow a team if it's not theirs. But what I like to say is. You know, I'm a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I'm not going to go and download other teams' apps on my phone to get a deal. But if all I have to do is follow their page on fan saves, well, I'm 100% more likely to do that. So we actually make it easier for fans to support other teams. That's right. I mean, if Gary Gary was such a staunch Jets fan, he wouldn't have a sports marketing business. (laughs) He wouldn't do anything but the Jets. So Exactly. uh, So, but let's shift a little bit the conversation about what it's been like, the the journey of building this business. You're in sports, you're in the sports business. uh, And and unfortunately, there's still some bias in sports, especially with women. So what's that been like for you as a woman in sports? Can you share what you've learned, what you've had to overcome, what are still opportunities for making changes in this this space? 
please let us know what, what that's been like. Uh, that's a, a great question. And I think, you know, over the past four to five years, if I got asked this question like five years ago, I would have had a completely different answer because I grew up, um, you know, playing hockey with the boys. I grew up hanging out with the boys and, and, and being a cool girl that like could, could, you know, kick it with the guys. And I think that that kind of like creates a different like mindset for women where it, it actually, and I, I tell this story a lot, it was actually Chris who brought it to my attention that, you know, it's not cool that when the, when I'm like in uh, the, the front office for the hockey team we worked for and the owner or, you know, guys on the team are cracking jokes that are like sexualized towards me. And in the past, I would just like laugh it off or like give them a joke back. It was Chris one day, actually. And then it he, did, he does it more and more often. And now I can do it for myself. But it was Chris the first time. He's like, hey, man, that's not cool. Don't talk to her like that. And it was the first time where I was like, yeah, I guess that's not right. So since then, I've really been able to, you know, work on finding my voice because there is so much unconscious gender bias. Um, in sports, in startups, in the world, uh, women have it, men have it. Um, you know, we often just have this this sense that it, it's funny or that it's just a joke, but it gets embedded. So, you know, I think working in sports, um, you know, I've been called, uh, we, I mentioned this before, but Chris, people have thought that I'm Chris's secretary or, you know, we'll be at an event and they're talking to him about like an NFL trade. And he's like, actually, you're going to want to talk to Shannon about the NFL. Cause that's her, like, that's her thing. You know, I'm, he's like, I, I, I don't follow it as much. So it's really refreshing to have such a strong ally in my co-founder and my life partner where it, um, it just, it's, it's really helped me find my voice because it does exist. And I think it needs to be talked about. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it totally does. Uh, when it comes to sexualizing or even jokes, I think the quickest way to shut that down is just to be like, you know, I don't understand. What did you mean by that? Please explain. Yeah, it's so true. How, Go ahead oh, and mansplain that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's it's so true. I we were I was at a conference just before, like a year before COVID, and there was this man, and he, I was with my my younger, like blonde little employee, like innocent girl, and I was talking, like I was having a, a, just a, a confident boss moment, and he he looked at my employee and he goes, oh, she really knows how to crack the the whip, eh? And he's like, oh, I bet you like chains too. And I was like, and in that moment, that was actually one of the first times I looked at him and I was like, yeah, don't, I, I don't appreciate you speaking like that. And he was kind of like, oh, oh no, I didn't mean it like that. I got all tongue tied. So I was like, wow. Like, so what did you mean? Yeah. So are there any other tactics that you've come up with or like maneuvers that you could share with women who unfortunately get in this power play moment? Like what has worked for you um, to sort of, shift it or to rightfully claim what is yours to claim with you know do you have any tactics or ways yeah that that's a really great question i love that you asked that because like off the top of my head i think you know i'm in a bit of a unique situation because um because i did grow up around around guys so i kind of know how they think and i know like 
kind of how to address the situation, even if I'm like telling them not to speak like that. So I think one of the biggest things for me is like, I'm not very easily offended, um, but I now know how to say, okay, that is something that should be offending. Like that should offend me. So I think like at the base of it, um, it's kind of just not taking yourself too seriously, but also understanding that you should have a voice that you should speak up for yourself and you can do it in a way that's still very nice. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to like yell at a man because that's just probably going to cause like drama. So there are ways to, you know, softly tell them like, Hey, that's not cool. And I think that that's where like a lot of the, the disconnect comes in where women think that they have to be like aggressive to be like assertive, you know? And it's like, no, you can, you can make a joke and and make them feel like they should should have rethought that, you know. You know, this is very uh, interesting and eye opening because I would think some of these things are just they've been around for so long that men don't even realize they do it. So it, it's in most cases just lack of awareness that is not okay. It's not appropriate. Even let's look at what happened with the Olympic team, right? With the women wearing these bathing suit type of outfits where the guys are wearing shorts. Like it's been around for so long that, you know, it takes someone to bring awareness and say, hey, you know what, that's not okay. How's that a rule? Why can't they just wear whatever they want to wear? And this is the kind of thing that we need to keep doing is continue to bring awareness to the fact that some things, although they've been around for a long time and no one said anything about it, are just not okay. So congratulations. Sounds like you've crack the code on how to effectively do that, uh, especially in a mostly male-dominated business still. Any words of advice or wisdom you have for women that are sitting on the fence about becoming entrepreneurs or business leaders in these kinds of uh, industries that are that have predominantly been men-dominated in the past? You know, we've seen the tech industry thrive with more women involved. The sports industry, I'm assuming, has a similar opportunity what words of advice would you have those sitting on the fence worrying about, ah, you know, it's going to be too hard for a woman? What would you say? Uh, I always say just just go for it. I talk to a lot of women. I mentor women. And women, traditionally, more than men, are often the ones who are overthinking it. They want to have a plan. They want to have a 10-year plan. They want to have a five-year plan. <laughs> they want to have like everything planned out and perfect before they start. I mean, some men too, but a lot of women, they don't want to fail. So they want it to be perfect. And I am my core. I'm a perfectionist. I'm a recovering perfectionist. And I've really learned that it's better, better done than perfect. Uh, and I translate that to other women where I say like, just start because what your business is at the beginning is not what it's going to be in a year. It's not what it's going to be in two or three or four years. So um, I, I, I can understand how a lot of women, you know, have trouble wanting to like put themselves out there and just follow their dreams. And I always want to encourage women and men, but especially women to like, just start, just start. However you can do it, just like get the ball rolling. Because if you don't, and if you don't create a plan, then your dreams are just always going to be dreams. If you don't, if you don't actually put action to it, like what, like what is your life going to be? You're always going to regret that. Yeah. And I think even fan saves is a good example of that. What you thought was going to take a year took what did you say? Three, four, five? Uh, we're going, we're in, in year four. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah. And I really liked what you said earlier also, um, 
this idea that practice doesn't make perfect. We're people, being perfect is an impossible standard, but practice makes better. And I think that's the perspective, a very winning perspective. Totally. And I think like some, a really unique perspective that Chris and I have, because we were competitive athletes, we really bring that to our business. We are, when, when we don't know something or need to be better, we are so committed. Like let's practice, let's get better. Let's learn how to, to win. Like we at our core, like we're very competitive. We hate to lose, but when we do lose, we do it gracefully, uh, which also comes with like leadership and, and things you learn in sports. Um, but yeah, like I think that there's always room for practice. There's always room to be better. But you're right. Like no one is perfect. Nothing is perfect. What you see on social media, that's not even perfect. Like just focus on what you're doing. Focus on like your goals and your dreams and make a plan for it and, and try it out because otherwise you'll never know. Love it. Uh, am I on mute? No, I'm not on mute. No, right? Not any longer. Yeah, because they muted me, Shannon, because there were some birds here that they had their own <laughs> questions. They wanted, to, they wanted to have a say in the conversation. So, uh, Shannon, one more thing. Well, we're approaching the final segment of today's conversation, and I wouldn't want to end it without asking you about one specific aspect about uh, fan saves. And this is because a lot of viewers out there might be who might be watching I don't know if because you're a growing company, there might even come work come work for you at some point if they reach out to you. Um, so, to these people, what would you tell them in terms of what fan saves uh, stands for? What is important for fan saves on how to attract the best people? The what is the company culture like? What's important for you when you're building a team that you consider to be a great team that you would like to work with for a long time? Yeah, we're so right now we're a team of 10. We have uh, two interns, we have our developer, and then we have our amazing core team as well. So for us, you know, again, I'll mention the pandemic, it growing a sports tech startup when you have the vision of having like a really great culture in in house, um, and then having to deal with a pandemic as, as a pretty young company, you know, we've had to navigate that as well. So, you know, we we hire people who have drive, who, who have the same winning um, mentality as Chris and I. And, you know, our culture right now, everything is remote, but we still do, um, we still do like daily calls. We're actually having a great team retreat next week now that we're all double vaxxed. Um, so really we think of ourselves as like a sports team, just kind of like what I mentioned before, like we want, you know, our employees to always be learning, always be getting better to know that their captains, Chris and I, that we are here to help them. And I think that's a big part of our culture is wanting to make sure that our employees are always happy. You know, we believe in like making sure that, you know, they're like, they, they let us know if they need a day off or they let us know if they have to go somewhere for the afternoon. And they're, they're like, oh, is this okay? And I always tell them, it's always okay. Like, it's your life and you work at our startup and we want you to be happy and not be scared to have to ask for time off. So that's just one of these things. But Chris and I are very, you know, we take courses on leadership. We take courses on being good bosses. <laughs> and I think that's important for anyone. And I think that's why our culture, our company culture um, is, you know, is, is really good. We just hired for two new positions and we had over 200 
applications, which is really cool. So when we think back to our first position we hired for, we had like 10 and we're like, okay, this is great. We've grown not only our brand and really, um, not only are we just known as a sports tech startup, we're known to have good company culture, which is one of my like biggest, um, proudest moments. Love it. Sounds great. I mean, uh, that's what it comes down to, right? You want to scale your business and you want people to stay, you've got to create an amazing, compelling culture, especially as we're now entering the great resignation economy. You know, if you, uh, if you lack some good EQ leadership skills and you don't uh, focus on people, they're going to leave. Uh, it's just as it is what it is today. It's so, so true. And I'll, I'll add in too, like we remind our, our employees all the time because right now we like we're in the middle of our seed round. We're raising investment. And I tell my employees all the time. And so does Chris, like what you are doing is so valuable because you are able to help us to take things off our plate to make it easier for us to do these big things to work on the business and we remind our employees we make sure that they know that they are so valuable to us and i think that that's really important i think people in general need to know that they're valuable they're valuable absolutely, absolutely. well it's been great uh, we're wrapping up where time always flies when you're having fun. And uh, I, I think we had fun. I enjoyed the conversation. We all enjoyed the conversation with you. L you know, we congratulate you on all the success. We wish you success with this uh, uh, round. Uh, are you guys doing a series A or where are you now? Our, just our seed round. So okay, yeah, we're, okay. we're raising, yeah, we're raising our, our seed round and hopefully a series A in the next uh, year right. or two. <laughs> well, well, we'll keep our eyes open for your success and your growth. Sounds like you got a great foundation for people to want to be part of it. Uh, so we'll have to have you back sometime in the near future. Hear some of your success stories, see how it's coming along. Until then, just stay with us as we, as we go off the air. Thank you. A great thank you from us for being with us. And uh, before we go, Carlos, we got one more show tomorrow, right? Yes. Let's. I'll try to do uh, sign language while you speak in on mute. <laughs> <laughs> this is, go ahead. This, this was this was you, Ruben, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I'm just gotcha. kidding. I, I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, tomorrow we're going to be speaking with Haynes Band, the CEO of Breathing.ai, an artificial intelligence company. And the topic is going to be this. I think it's timely, too, because it's about screen time. So healthcare is screen time in the blink of an eye and, and with AI. We're going to be discussing on how to personalize screens at, and, and technology as a whole to our well-being so that users feel and perform better. That's what we have tomorrow right here on dojo live at 12 p.m pacific so join us and stay safe everyone and thank you shannon for being with us please stay us stay with us as we go off the air please thank you see you guys soon see you soon check out past episodes transcripts blogs and more on our website dojo.nearsoft.com <laughs>